You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. The largest gain I ever had as a venture capital investor was buying internet stuff in the early 90s, 93-ish, 94-ish, and then it went on to become a very big category. And we had some outstanding wins as a result of it. Now, it also you know, got way ahead of itself, got very bubble-ish. You, know, you had pets.com and everything blew up. And, and actually following that, I exited the business. I said, you know, I may, and, and by the way, that's coming in our stuff. And, and by the way, you know, there'll be a time to sell this stuff. You know, there will. I mean, it's when when you know, people are talking about $5,000 gold and, you know, things are trading at 20 times multiple. I mean, it, they'll, they'll be a mania in this area, in my opinion. It's the next one. You know, it probably starts in the next couple of years and it runs, you know, a bunch of years and people make a lot of money, including you and me. Um, but, you know, having been around these cycles long enough, I'm, I'm not going to overstay my welcome. <laughs> and I might I might leave the last dollar on the table for another guy because, you know, at, at some point there'll be everybody and their brother will be talking about gold stocks. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, touching base with Larry Lepard of Equity Management Associates. He's a gold fund manager, as well as an Austrian economist. So Larry, welcome back onto the show. And uh, let's talk about last year as a gold yeah, fund manager. You. What'd you learn? Well, <laughs> yeah. Always fun to be with you and obviously in a pretty tough tape for our stuff. But uh this is when this is when we make the big bucks, right? If we do it right in these downturns. Um, what did I learn last year? Well, I, I think I said to you earlier, I, I didn't think that Jay Powell trying to be uh, Paul Volcker that wasn't on my bingo card. You know, I thought the Fed would tighten. I didn't think they'd tighten so fast that they would throw everything into a, a tizzy in the sound money camp. Um, Muhammad El Arian used the term. I just love it. Where he said the Fed hit the brakes and the economy is going through the windshield, and I think that's about what's right. What's happening right now. <laughs> Um, and obviously, it, it just hammered, you know, everything in the gold space, um, particularly on the more speculative side. Um, you know, the producers and the and the large indices, this is the kind of time we're in a downturn. This is the value of having GDX, right? I mean, the, the producers that are generating cash flow don't get hit nearly as hard as the development stories and the drill stories. And as you and I both know, we've lost a few of those. We had, you know, I made a big mistake with Arcana. It didn't make it. Um, and there have been a few others that have, have gone down. Fortunately, I, I dodged Pure and I dodged a few of the other losses. You know, um, what was the one we were talking about? Core. Uh, but, you know, the, um, and, and so we've got stocks that are, I think, pretty good situations, but they're down 60% off their high. Um, you know, I blend my portfolio to be a mixture of probably 30, 40% producers that generate cash. So, uh, you know, that that gives me a stabi- some stability. They're not going to go up 20x, but they're they don't go down as far either. And then I add, you know, development and drill stories to try and get alpha. And obviously the development drill story piece of the market with a few exceptions has been pretty tough. And that leaves my fund down kind of mid thirties this year. So year to date, which kind of sucks. <laughs> but as we all know, um, the operating leverage and torque in these things is really substantial. And, you know, I've got good companies selling at low multiples of cash flow. You know, low multiples of, of you know the, of the gold that they have in the ground, and you know I, I've got many, many, many situations that I'm absolutely confident with a turn in the gold price, a breakout above two thousand, or convincingly above two thousand, will you know double, triple, or quadruple. So, um, you know, a thirty five percent drawdown, you know, I think can be matched by, you know, one of these next couple of years is going to be up a hundred. You know, I mean, in twenty nine, I'm sorry, in twenty nineteen we're up ninety seven, in twenty twenty we're up one hundred twenty two. So sadly, it's the nature of this game that it's really volatile. 
and you know you got to be willing to you know take the drawdowns in order to to be there when when it moves and goes to the upside because as you and I both know it can go pretty quickly and you know people say well I'm going to wait till it turns and then I'll jump in well you'll that's not a bad strategy it can work but you're going to miss the first 20 or 30 percent because that that can happen in a matter of days so um you know it's been a hard year but I I'm I'm un, unconcerned about the longer term outlook for this asset category I think we're about I think we're on the cusp of a very very big bull market I think what's happened what, what happened in the fangs and a lot of other things it's our turn now you know as the regular stock market continues to fade as inflation becomes more embedded as the bond market looks less attractive and as the Fed is inevitably forced into pivoting as a result of you know not wanting to have another great depression um you know sound money gold silver uh, are going to perform extremely well you know are going to perform well and when they break out above, above their all-time high particularly gold it, it touched 1911 it touched uh, 2050 in 2020 and touched 2070 at earlier this year much earlier in 2022 when when so that's three tops there when, when gold goes through 2070 with authority you know it's going to be game on for all this stuff and i think it's going to do that and the reason i think it's going to do that is it's going to become the safe haven bid when other things are not working and inflation is not seen as being something that's going to go away i think the mistake the general generalists in the market are now making and the you know the derivatives and other people things show this is that they think we'll have a return to two or three percent inflation and i just i don't think that's likely um you know is inflation coming down sure of course it's going to come down they're killing demand they're trying to you know hammer the economy but it's not going back to two or three and so if, if that's not going to happen interest rates going to stay high if interest rates are high multiples come in on the stock market people look at what's working and it's going to be our stuff that's working and so you know and our area is a small area as you know total capital in the gold mining space is maybe a trillion dollars you know and there's about 450 trillion of financial assets in the world so if any part of that 450 gets really concerned about inflation and wants to have a stock allocation to something that protects you against inflation and it comes after our stuff our stuff's going up <laughs> so that's that's kind of the thesis so you know what's hard is we got to be patient i mean it should have happened by now it hasn't i kind of see it unfolding early to mid next year um i look at the timing of these financial changes and i recall very clearly in 2007 Bear Stearns had a couple of funds that blew up that were in the housing space. They were doing CDS stuff. And they went to zero instantly in July. Well, okay, that was a signal. But, you know, the GFC didn't happen until October of 08. So it was over a year and three or four months later. If you kind of consider that the start of this cycle on the tightening was in February of this year, 2022, Powell started to hike rates. You know, you kind of got maybe a year, year and a half from that. So maybe, maybe we're talking second half of next year. I think it might happen sooner. But... Um, you know, it's it's coming and there are signals of it. You know, you can see the what happened in England with the guilt and the, you know, the pound. That, that was a signal. You know, Blackstone just uh, gating their real estate fund. That's a signal. Uh, Japan this morning increasing the target on their yield curve control. That's a signal. You know, the, the things are things are breaking and uh, and, and they're going to break more substantially in 2023. And that's going to be good for our stuff. And, and, and as I'm sure you know, and most of the listeners probably know, go look at the gold and silver charts. They actually look fantastic. I mean, they've done, you know, I mean, they not looking back the last two years, but they've come kind of consistently down, really gotten washed out, really gotten sold out. 
kind of a nice rounded bottom and we're starting to turn up again. So, I, and I think, I think it's because gold and silver smell the next round of monetary debasement that will come in 2023. It, Larry, if it's 2024, not 2023, when gold really begins to move up, do you have any hedges for 2023 or you're just, you're just going to ride I, it? I really don't. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm long and strong gold and silver miners. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm weighted, I'm being careful on the, the risky stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm more weighted and I've been buying more producers versus Real stories, but I, I actually, I mean, I buy both. I mean, I buy the cheapest of the, you know, that I have the greatest confidence in on the producer, I mean, the developer drill story. But, you know, I mean, the good news is most of these producers are generating cash. And if you're generating cash at this gold price, you're not going to go out of business, you know, and your gold's still in the ground. Then all these companies have a lot of gold in the ground that's valuable, it'd be more valuable at 2000 plus. And so the issue is just wait. If, yeah, if it takes to 2024, I mean, one has to have patience. And, you know, is it possible I'm wrong and there's one more down leg here? I mean, maybe we have a another, you know, Lehman-like event or March of 20-like event and all this, all the markets in general plunge and therefore you get a correlation of one and gold and gold stocks go down. That's possible. I mean, I think it's possible we have one more lower low. But the way we're set up, we're not leveraged. Um, you know, I mean, we've got enough leverage in the sense of the companies we hold, right? Um, and the way we're set up, if that occurs, we'll just ride it out. And uh, and I think the other side of that will be massive, massive money printing, because the alternative to that is they're going to, you know, they're going to have it, something that looks like the Great Depression. And, you know, the, the Fed has proven it's a political organization. When the squawking about inflation got large enough, they came in both guns blazing. When the squawking about the downturn, unemployment, soft economy, you know, high inflation, it, it gets high enough. You know they're gonna they're gonna have to pivot, and um, you know that's that's what'll drive our stuff. Last year, what was your uh, best performing stock? Were you in any of the, the discovery plays like Snow Snowline Gold or I something? Had a little bit of Snowline, not enough. So that and that worked. Um, and to be honest with you, I mean I think that one's a little bit ahead of itself. I mean it's you know you get these these stories. I mean I caution people against chasing these things that you know have a discovery and the market cap goes up five or 10 X. I owned it. I made some, but I, but I owned it small. Um, uh, probably my best performing stock last year, a couple of them. I mean, uh, outcrop has done really well. It's a drill story. Um, in Colombia, you know, it was really cheap. It's done incredibly well. Um, some of the development stories have held together pretty well. I mean, Silvercrest has worked nicely. Uh, Cisco mining has worked pretty well. Um, uh, Sabina has worked pretty well uh, in, in the latter half of the year. Um, you know, some of the big producers have held up pretty damn well. I mean, Endeavor Mining, um, the, the African producer, I mean, they, they haven't had their costs go up as much as everybody else. Uh, diesel is somewhat subsidized in some of those countries and labor costs haven't been pushing on them. And their capex there is much lower. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to find a gold stock that's up on the year. But I've had a lot of gold stocks that are not down very much on the year. Um, and of course, then I've had development drill stories that are down 70 or 80 percent, you know, but but I think the value is still there. And in fact, in some of those cases, I'm buying them. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, they're just they're just out of favor right now because, you know, there's there's no there's no new capital coming into the space. And everyone is, you know, everyone's not thinking about it because they think that you know inflation is not going to be a problem. And and. That's the big deviant perception that I have. I think inflation is going to be a persistent problem. I think we hit peak deflation in March of 2020. And we're now in an, infl an inflationary environment until proven otherwise. 
And whether it's, you know, super high inflation or medium inflation or even I think the new low inflation, you've, seen, you've heard some of the Fed people talking about this. Maybe maybe we should define the target as three or four percent, not two. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and that's kind of that's kind of what I consider to be the new low end of inflation. They may get it down to that. But, you know, it's going to it's going to be a persistent problem. I mean, you see a lot of places to look at the wage growth. Wage growth is now consistently kind of north of five percent, actually approaching six. And, you know, these rail workers just got a big package. The airline guys got a big package. So, you know, what, what they didn't want to have happen, which is have the inflation get into the into the worker psyche and the wage spiral it started to happen. And prior history shows in the 70s, that's very hard to put back in the bottle. You know, and, and Tavi Costa on, um, on Twitter has a great chart that he shows, you know, the three waves of inflation in the 70s. And you can see inflation didn't go straight up in the 70s. But it trended up with higher highs at each peak and lower, lower, low, higher lows on the pullback. And so we just had a big spurt, you know, based on COVID, all the printing and sending money out, helicopter money. And they're trying to get it back under control. And they are. And it'll come down for sure. But it's not going to come all the way back down to two. And we're not going back to what things used to look like. Not in this, you know, not with the war going on, not with supply lines hurting, not with, you know, um, uh, wages being pushed up. You know, not with shortages, et cetera. I mean, and that's the other thing. Some of the inflation is based on shortages. It's not based on, um, uh, you know, it's 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 not a it's not just the money thing. It's and, and the way you alleviate shortages, you create more supply. The way you create more supplies, you, you make capex to to you know to drill more oil, as an example. Well, when you're pushing interest rates up, and you make capital more expensive. It makes capex less likely to occur. So. So ironically, some of the things they're doing aren't really helping their case. <laughs> Do you see the ESG movement is hurting the gold industry, not just the oil industry, the That's hydrocarbon? A great question. Yeah, a little bit by proxy. I mean, I see a lot of environmental pushback on nearly any new gold mine. I mean, I'm involved in one right now that I think will get approval this first half next year uh, out in California at Rice Gold. But, you know, and this is a perfectly clean mine with a, with a great EIR. Um, that shows absolutely no damage to the environment. And yet, you know, there's, and, and, you know, the majority of the community supports it, which is why I believe we'll get our permit. But um, there's a very vocal, you know, liberal left group of people in the town that just don't want any mining, even though they won't even notice it. It's all deep underground. And, you know, the, 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 the above surface plant will look like a Walmart. And, and you know, but they, they don't want mining in their town. What about uh, names you like now, Larry? Listeners uh, love when you name names. Anything you yeah, want to highlight? Sure. I mean, I you know, look. I mean, the, the, a point I should make to you, Bill. I mean, we said that, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know, I could be wrong about any one of these names, and one of the most important things for any investor in the gold space is to have their bets sprinkled out among a bunch of names, because it's all a probabilities game. And there's nothing certain in this business, absolutely nothing, um, and so. And you, know, you have you 40 want, names in your portfolio, right? Something uh, like that? Yeah, even more if you count some of the small drill stories. But, um, you know, and so if you want to do the safest thing, you stick to the biggest names because they've got the most minds, the most diversity, the best financial strength, et cetera. And they're not going to be 10 baggers, but they're going to consistently participate if prices of gold go higher. So, you know, in that bucket, you kind of got, uh, I like Alamos, I like AEM, um, I like Eris, I like Equinox, I like Endeavor Mining, the African one. Um, I like Fresneo, uh, the big silver miner. Um, I like Hecla a lot. I like K92 a lot. I like Silver Corp and Silver Crest a lot. 
you know, then when you start to go down into a slightly riskier producer bucket, um, I, I'm buying Argonaut right here, a new CEO there, a guy named Richard Young, who built Taranga and sold it to Endeavor. He's a world-class manager. He will get Argonaut. Argonaut will be a valuable company, but there's more risk. Um, Eris Mining in Colombia, very cheap for what they have. Uh, Vino Silver in Mexico, very cheap for what they have. Aya Silver over in Africa, um, very good situation, worth a ton of money. Serato, uh, a developer in South America. Equinox in the U.S., I think I might have mentioned them. Um, First Majestic is kind of a core holding in the silver space. Fortuna, uh, Guanajuato Silver, a developer in Mexico. Great CEO, small emerging you know, risk, but I but I like it a lot. Um, Orzona over in Africa, development story, um, and Torex down in Mexico. Those are kind of, those are probably my largest weightings and producers, but I own some other ones. Uh, Galantis, I don't know if I mentioned that one. Um, You're still in Step Gold too? Uh, yep, still in Step, like Step. Yep, good names. I'm also in Ordeen, um, you know, same jurisdiction, same area. Um, Step's producing, Ordeen is on the way to producing. Uh, so that's those are kind of the producers that have cat. Most of those have cash flow, uh, positive cash flow. In fact, I think almost all of those have positive cash. And Larry, flow. you're all over the world: Mongolia, Mexico, Colombia, yeah. everywhere in Africa. Yeah, but there are <laughs> but there are places I won't go. You know, there's um, there are there are jurisdictions that I do not like. I mean, Peru is kind of become is one of them, um, becoming one of them. Argentina is kind of one of them. Um, you know, um, where's where the Lundin? Ecuador is another area I like. Brazil, I think, is pretty good. Um, you know, Argentina, yeah, it's it's got issues. I mean, capital controls and stuff. Um, I actually think Africa is a lot safer than people think. Depends what part of it you're in, but most of it. I mean, Endeavor's done a great like, job. There. Like you said, with Africa, your costs are lower right now, even in the high Absolutely. inflationary environment, Absolutely. and you can actually get permits over there quicker. Well, than that's over the here. thing. I mean, you can, you know, you can find. I mean, there's 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 low grade gold laying all over the western side of Africa that wasn't explored you know, because of the geopolitics until, you know, this whole thing just started 10, 15 years ago. And it's still, I mean, you can go into Cote d'Ivoire, or, you know, all the, all the Senegal, all those countries there and, and find good deposits and, and you can bring them to market. I mean, you can turn a deposit into a mine in like a year or two from a permitting and, and the CapEx is lower, the labor is lower. Some of those countries even subsidize their diesel. So the government's helping out with lower diesel costs if you're using diesel gensets, et cetera. So, um, look, you've got to have the right security. And, you know, Taranga had it. Endeavor has it. You know, I think uh, the, the well-run companies there, B2 has it. But, you know, that's the security is always somewhat of an issue because there are some areas that are less less safe than others. But, but yeah, I, I like Africa. Um, you know, on the development side, it's a pretty short list. I mean, I, I give you kind of my favorites. Um, I've got more than this, but and developing is risky. I mean, you know, as you and I both know, we did Arcana. It didn't work, right? I mean, I, I think I still think there's a mine there. I think the capital markets and management screwed it up. Um, but my favorite developments are Adriatic, um, Serbia, Cassiar, Discovery, uh, Go Gold, um, uh, Lion One. I love Lion One. I can't believe how cheap Lion One is. I think I think Lion One is turning into. That's Fiji, super, right? Is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's turning into a super high quality ring of fire deposit that's going to be, you know, millions and millions of ounces. And some of the some of the you got to go to their website. They've redone it. You got to go look at some of these intercepts, Bill. I mean, it's this is the real deal. And you know, I mean, it, it looks like you know the same. Not quite as many of them because earlier, but it's similar intercepts to what Sprott and his guys have over at Newfound Gold up in Newfoundland. Okay, 
you know, and that thing's got an eight or nine hundred million dollar market cap. Line one is like in the you know hundred hundred and thirty range, something like that. So, I mean, it's I think line one is a is a is a sleeping giant. I love it. Um, I, I love a Cisco mining up in Canada. It's it's expensive, but it's super high quality. It's a huge deposit. It'll run for years. The management team is world class. They'll get it financed. I mean, it's to me, it's 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 just a very high quality developer. Um, and I told you earlier, I mean, I'm involved with one that's quite risky. Um, I'm on the direct, I'm on the board. We own about 10% of the company called Rise Gold out in California. Uh, Rise is uh, trying to reopen a, a prior mine that ran from 1870 to 1941. 1941, they were producing 120,000 plus ounces at high grade. Um, so, you know, if, if they were to produce that again, that would be Westome, which is worth a billion too, right? Now, you know, there are two issues to get, you know, that prevent us from maybe turning that into a producer. One, we've got to get a permit. We've The EIR, the Environmental Impact Report, just got finished and published. Been many years and millions of dollars in coming. And it's completely clean. And so we need to get this permit um, vote in the first half of this year, which is when we believe it will occur. No guarantee. With the state government or the federal government? No, it's the local board of supervisors, the county board of supervisors. There are five of them. We need to get three out of five votes and we think we have three or four so um that will happen in the first half of this year um we believe and if it does you know this the market cap in this thing's 10 million dollars right so i mean this is a super high quality deposit that could grow substantially and it won't be 10 million dollars if we get that permit <laughs> um but you know i mean i think the market's obviously saying we don't believe you're gonna get the permit so i think we will you know there's a chance we don't uh, and people have to consider that. So, but I, I think it's on a risk reward expected value basis. I mean, I rate the odds we get it pretty highly. And if we do get it, it's not, you know, it's it's not 10 million. This is, I mean, so it's a minus one if we don't get it. But I think it's a, you know, it's definitely a two, three, four, five X just getting a permit. So, um, so that's an interesting bet. Um, and then on the drill side, um, you know, I'm always looking for kind of the best numbers. I mean, Lion One's drilling some great stuff. Uh, G2 Gold, I like. They're drilling some great stuff. High Gold up in Alaska has had some great stuff. Um, Silver Tiger down in Mexico, I think that thing's a monster. I think it's an absolute monster drill story. Uh, Viscount in um, in Colorado and Utah, I think they've got some really good stuff. Um, I'm on board. I'm on the board of a company that spun out of Amarillo, which I was on the board of. We sold it to Hochschild. Um, and they spun out a, a deposit called Lavras Gold, L-A-V-R-A-S. It's publicly traded as well. Very small market cap, thinly traded. Um, but I like a lot the intercepts that we've seen there. And I think that that deposit has an enormous potential. That was Brazil? Yeah, it's in southern Brazil. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we own a big piece of it. And uh, obviously, I'm, I'm biased. So. <laughs> But but um, but you've you know, disclosed all your biases for listeners yeah, to assess. Right. I mean, so that's all that you know you can do. You know, look, there's and I would say to everybody listening, there's risk in all of these. Absolutely, every single one of these could blow up. I mean, maybe not Ag Agnico. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that I, would be something. <laughs> that would be something. I mean, Agnico is going to live no matter what. In right. my view, it's one of the best well-run companies, right? <laughs> one gold stock, I'd probably tell her to buy Agnico and forget about all the rest. Yeah. But, um, um, so, yeah, those are some of my favorite names. I mean, I've got a lot of other names, but I just kind of picked out the ones that right now look particularly good to me at today's prices. So, Larry, well, I know that listeners like the names. 
They like your forthrightness, like you 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 shared your biases. They like the fact that you acknowledge risk, which you've done. And I mean, oh, what yeah. more can you ask? You're a perma perma gold bull because you're an audit. <laughs> so and, that's and the and one honestly, blind spot, maybe, right? Yeah, that's a big blind spot. Yeah. I mean, if you know, look, if gold goes to fifteen hundred, none of these are going to work, and you know, it stays there. And if gold goes to twenty five hundred, all these and a bunch of other shitty ones are going to work. But but these these are of all the ones out there. In my opinion, these are the best risk reward trade-offs, you know, kind of what you're paying for what you're getting. So yeah. and your website is EMA the number EMA two, two, yeah, dot two com. Dot com. And I'm on Twitter making a lot of noise just under my name, Lawrence Laparta. So <laughs> I, and you're also a Bitcoin people, bull, right? <laughs> yeah, I do believe in Bitcoin too. I, yeah. I encourage all gold people to take the time to understand what Bitcoin represents. Very volatile. It's not FTX, it's not crypto. All crypto is fraud. Bitcoin is a digital enhancement we created they created satoshi and i think satoshi was actually a committee of people who did it and remained anonymous they've created digital proven digital scarcity and you know the question is will that matter and i believe it will matter because i think more and more people over time are adopting and using it and believe in that digital scarcity and as long as you've got true digital scarcity and a fixed supply of these tokens 21 million of them then, you know, you can kind of do the math and say, all right, you know, there will continually be demand for people to buy something that's a money substitute that has digital scarcity. It's that simple. And, um, you know, what would make me become bearish on Bitcoin? Um, Central bank digital currencies? Well, no, no. because Governments don't like competition. (laughs) Yeah, no, they don't. And and those are coming. But nobody's going to adopt those, Bill. I mean, people will be forced into using them maybe to get their UBI, but nobody really wants to adopt those. No, the the one thing that would kill Bitcoin, in my belief, would be disinterest. If if everyone lost interest in it and adoption and user, you know, users were going down or or went flat, then that wouldn't be good. And it would indicate that it was a fad and it's not a long term trend. But there are a ton of metrics you can see. For you know, addresses, new addresses, users, um, international remittances, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, and one of the things a lot of people in the West miss is how much this is being used in the third world. I mean, Nigeria is reportedly like 20% of their people are using Bitcoin as their currency because their current their local currency depreciates constantly. And so and, and the Lightning Network has made it so that you can do these really small transactions for less than a penny in cost. And so there are people there who have, you know, they get paid in Bitcoin, they put it on their wallet and they use it to pay for things. And so, you know, that kind of use case is spreading. And as long as it continues to spread in terms of usage, if you have a fixed supply of them and do the math, right? So that's, that's my logic there. Now, like I say, it's extremely volatile. And I think the only way anyone can realistically approach it is say, okay, I'm going to take a modest allocation. And I'm going to dollar cost average going in and out. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to chase it at 68,000 because then when it goes to 17, I'm going to want to blow my brains out. You know, and I'm not, I'm not even going to chase it at 17 because it could go to 10. I don't think it will, but it could. You know, I had, I had a, a analyst on the show a couple of weeks ago. He believes it's going to nine this coming yeah. year. I mean, I, look, it, it could, who knows? It's a wild beast. It could go anywhere. I, I happen to think, I mean, the best thing I, the way I trade it or look at it is I look at the past cycles. Drawdowns have been 70 to 80%. We're kind of there right now. And then I look at a, a Elliott Wave Fibonacci. It's about 78% down from the peak is in the is in the uh, you know 13-ish area. And we're just a skosh above that, you know, kind of 16 and change. So 
Could have hit 13, sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't concern me. You know, look on a on a world blow up where the correlation of everything goes to one. You know, all these financial assets are going to go down a lot, and that's part of the problem we're dealing with here, Bill. I mean, we've got this central bank who is just, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of out of control. And so you see, you know, I think most people probably have seen my, you know, Dan Oliver's Weimar chart that I've published, you know, with the red squiggly lines. You know, when currencies are failing, and, and that's what I believe we're in, we're in a fourth turning where currencies are beginning to fail. When currencies are failing, the volatility of prices gets really high in those currencies. I mean, I tweeted out yesterday, go look at a lumber chart. I mean, I saw that. A, imagine you're in the lumber business. How do you plan? <laughs> no. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what, we're going up 600%, we're going down, you know, 75%, we're going up 800%. I mean, it's like, it's nuts. And that's, and that's all because the monetary system is broken, which is what speaks to why you should be in this area, not with all of your assets, not even with maybe half your assets, although I'm, you know, I'm pretty much all in. But I, you know, most of the people I'm speaking to about becoming investors, in my fund or, or advising otherwise, I'm just saying, look, you know, you've got a lot of stocks, you got a lot of bonds, those have worked for 40 years, I get it. You don't want to give those up. But I'm telling you that the tide has shifted here. The tide's going out on that. And it's coming in on these sound money things. And you need to have an allocation to sound money. You know, whether it's 5%, 10%, 20%. I mean, you, you pick your number. And then within the sound money bucket, okay, do you want do you want the really super safe, you know, doesn't go down more than 20% a year, you know, only goes up 15% or 20% a year on a good year? Well, then you buy gold bullion, right? You want slightly more volatility? Okay, well, then you buy silver. You know, do you want even more than both those? Okay, well then you buy mining stocks, you know, and and so and so on and so forth. Do you want max volatility that you know is going to go moonshot when they print like crazy, but it, it also crashes? Well, then you buy Bitcoin. You know, so it, it's in my view. So and you just weight those things in an intelligent way that you're comfortable with. You know, that that you say to yourself. I mean, I I say to a lot of people on Bitcoin, look, you can afford it. You know, you got seventeen thousand dollars. You can afford to buy one coin. Cost you seventeen thousand bucks. Could it go to zero? Yeah. So, can it change your lifestyle? You know, if you're relatively well, no. You, seven, losing seventeen is not going to destroy your lifestyle. Okay. Bitcoin could also go to ten x that. It could go to one hundred seventy thousand. Well, that would move the needle. If you invested seventeen and got back ten, it could even over a ten year time frame. I think it go to hundred x that, which is one point seven million. Now, that really moves the needle on a $17,000 investment. I mean, that's a lot of asymmetry. And I actually, I can show you the math how I think you get there over 10 or 15 years. So the point is, you, you know, and, and so if you're looking at this today and you're trying to say, I'm an investor in the future, I don't want to have regret. Somebody told you about something that could be minus one, plus 10 or plus 100. And you said, ah, no, I'll pass. You know, and then it did become plus 10 or plus 100. You probably have some regret. You know what I mean? In the future. And so, all right, well, you know, and, but you're afraid of losing the minus one. All right, well, then 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 downsize a little bit. You know, don't, I mean, put a part, put something in there that you feel comfortable if it doesn't work, it won't destroy you. But but I say it many times to many people, the wrong allocation for Bitcoin is zero. That's the only wrong allocation. You know, if you have zero and this thing goes and does 100X and you knew about it and you thought about it, but you said, nah, I'm not going to do it. I don't believe in digital scarcity. I don't believe this thing will work. You know, my guess, my guess is you might regret it. You know, so that's, but you would that's say that. do that after you put something in physical gold. Would that oh, be absolutely. your advice too? Abs yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's the that's the high the high octane. 
you know, icing on the cake. You really want to, you know, if you want to buy, I mean, it's, it's probably, I put it in kind of in the same bucket as some of these mining stocks, some of these drill stories. You don't call it digital gold like some do though, do you? I actually kind of do. I don't do generally call it that, but it, it it's not because it's not tangible. Okay. And a lot of gold people get upset about it not being tangible, but, but it is an immutable record. And if you really think about what money is, money is social obligation amongst people. You know, I mean, if I have money, I can exchange money and I can either get some, you know, some labor or some products, right? And if people are using a digital record, an immutable digital record as something that you can exchange for, you know, labor or products, well, then it's kind of money. And so the, the, why would it not be money? If the immutability were ever tested or the technology ever failed, that would make it not money. I accept that. Or, or if the use cases went down and people stopped using it, and the number of people buying it declined, you know, then it would not be money or it would be a fading form of money. But, you know, again, as I said earlier, if you go and you look at all the data sets, usage is growing, you know, it's just consistently growing, even in a bear market. You know, the number of addresses, the number of transactions, everything, it's just growing. And so that tells me that some there's a growing segment of the population in the market that is getting some benefit from this. I mean, this reminds me so much, Bill, I was an investor in the technology stocks in the, in the internet at days. And I remember there were a lot of skeptics of the internet in the, in the beginning. I mean, you know, Paul Krugman, it's the fax machines. They're, who cares about this shit? It's clunky. You know, AOL sucks. You got to dial up, you know, all that crap. But you know what? Every year, more people are using it every year and you know look what it became right that's where you made your uh you know the great your net worth yeah, the first I mean, I time just, right yeah that's that was my first big you know well i started investing in technology in the 80s i made some money there investing in pcs and software and a lot of other things but but yes the largest gain i ever had as a venture capital investor was buying internet stuff in the early 90s 93 ish 94 ish and then it went on to become a very big category and we had some outstanding wins as a result of it. Now it also, you know, got way ahead of itself, got very bubblish. You know, you had pets.com and everything blew up. And and actually following that, I exited the business. I said, you know, I mean, and and by the way, that's coming in our stuff. And and by the way, you know, there'll be a time to sell this stuff. You know, there will. I mean, it's when when you know, people are talking about five thousand dollar gold and you know, things are trading at 20 times multiple. I mean it. There'll, there'll be a mania in this area, in my opinion. It's the next one. You know, it probably starts in the next couple of years and it runs, you know, a bunch of years and people make a lot of money, including you and me. Um, but, you know, having been around these cycles long enough, I'm, I'm not going to overstay my welcome. <laughs> and I might I might leave the last dollar on the table for another guy because, you know, at, at some point there'll be everybody and their brother will be talking about gold stocks. Just the, just the way they were talking about the fangs. I mean, remember? Remember how, you know, I mean, all the Tesla people, all the, you know, ARC people, right? I mean, they were just like, this stuff can't lose. It's the most fabulous stuff ever. That will be, I, I predict that sentiment will be coming to our stuff probably two or three years from now, maybe four years from now. And what, what, where do you see the bull market in Bitcoin coinciding with gold? Does gold occur first or they yes, occur simultaneously? Yeah, that's a great question. I, the only way I have to judge that, Bill, is I just look at the history of it and if you kind of look at the last, you look at the Bitcoin runs and the gold runs, and it tends to be, there tends to be some lag. Gold tends to be more widely distributed. More people hold it. More people understand it. Boomers go to it versus Bitcoin. And, you know, and boomers have most of the money. So my my observation in 2019 and 2020, because I was in both and I had friends who were only Bitcoin and they were hurting. 
this gold shit's working. It's gone from 1265 to 1700. Your stocks are up a lot. Your fund was up 100%, blah, blah, blah. And Bitcoin was just kind of bouncing along at five or 10, right? But then, as you recall, in late 2020, gold kind of leveled off and Bitcoin took off like a bat out of hell. It went up 5x. Gold's never done that, right? So, so once, once, you know, it's to me, gold is a good leading. I, I say this to Bitcoin people all the time gold is a good leading indicator for Bitcoin. You know, gold will move first because it's it's really good at smelling around corners. I mean, it's amazing. You know, like like the Fed hasn't even pivoted yet, but the gold chart looks good, right? And so, you know, and my my prediction is that gold will move first, and then Bitcoin will follow, and probably move further. But that's just the nature of its volatility and and so forth. You know, so um, you know everybody's got to make their own decision on what the right weights are of all these various assets. Yeah, but but you've been intellectually honest with your assumptions and your uh, your thoughts, well, so I appreciate that, Larry. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm candid about what I think. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> I should caution everybody. I mean, I am absolutely certain the math is inexorable and they have to pivot. But you know, uh, who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll do a reset. Maybe they'll do CBDC. I mean, I don't know what they'll do. You know, I do not know what they'll do. And so there are probably cases that I have not thought of. So and everybody has to understand that but i would suggest that you know for a piece of people's capital to be in sound in the sound money bucket is a very sound thing it, based on what i can see in macro land right now that's a good thing to do have have some of your money in this bucket excellent well i will link to larry's twitter he's very active as he said uh I'll link to that in the show notes and then also the email sign up so you can get your quarterly letter right larry right we we publish quarterly letters we publish charts and there are a lot of white papers on the website we never spam you um and if you just go to the website uh, you'll see down at the bottom you can put in your email you don't even put your name just your email in there and you'll automatically get our quarterly letter which is generally pretty lengthy it talks about the macro outlook that we see Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on the show today for your Thanks. insights. Well, it's always fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed it. Yep. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns, as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly.
The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.